Hello, and welcome to Dispel Magic, the podcast where we overthink how the magic of D&D might shape your campaign in surprising and unexpected ways. I'm Benjamin, game designer and writer. And saints preserve us, I'm Dane, the dungeon master, podcaster, and voice actor you all know and worship. Hmm. Probably not a lot of that. Today, we're putting a pin in the unofficial and somewhat unintended divine theme of our recent episodes by unpacking the holiest of holies, the cleric class. It was almost like destiny guided us here. Mm-hmm. All of the all of the pieces just fell into place that we did one good versus evil spell after another. Uh, you could call it Providence. I, I will call it Providence. Rhode Island. Anyway, what do you think about clerics? What do you think about clerics overall, Benjamin? I was thinking about, uh, well, obviously I was thinking about clerics when I was writing the notes for this episode. Um, But one thing I was thinking is that it's interesting to me that clerics are explicitly the kind of fantasy priest stand-ins. But when people think of religious dicks in D&D, they think of paladins, not clerics. That's true. So I don't know how clerics got the got the easy easy out there. Well, I feel like clerics are more help like heal well, all. Yeah, that's true. Right? They're yeah. the healers. Yeah. So so they are the ones that heal the party. When I think of a cleric, I think of the healer. Right. That's and true. When I first started playing it it seemed like a really boring role just keeping everybody up. So my first impressions of them was boring honk shoe I don't want. I don't want to play the healer. I want to do right. fun things. Yeah. So I think in our first game that you ran, I was a bard because I wanted to mm. do a lot of yeah. things, but I could also heal, right? Right. But since then, my views of clerics have changed quite a bit, and I think that clerics can be one of the deeper, one of the deeper uh, character classes just for role play. Right. Um. And the differentiation between them and paladins is very interesting because clerics generally will heal everyone regardless of their background and paladins attack anybody who isn't them, uh, traditionally, I suppose. I don't know if it's traditionally. I think it's more like in stereotype, in stereotype of like what players do when they play those two classes. But you're right. Yeah, I do. I guess I guess you're right that like clerics are more like mutual aid, diplomacy, solving problems without violence and that's not super conducive to the being a dick vibe that uh paladins have and if you think about it they're kind of uh godly warlocks right it's interesting because i i never totally thought of that as like a very accurate way of thinking about clerics but and we'll we'll talk about this very shortly but when i was reviewing the very little uh, fiction text that precedes the class, yeah, it is a lot like that, actually. You're just making a bargain with a higher, more powerful being in return for following them, or you get power from them for following them. Well, it's actually... Let's actually let's just get into the... Let's just get into some of the uh, fictional text. Yeah, sure. um, I actually think it's a little inverted. Like, whereas with a warlock... You've got a warlock petitioning uh, an otherworldly entity for power. 
it, when when I reread the cleric class, it's actually much more about the god just like reaching through the world, re- like reaching through the multiverse to like empower you, whether you wanted that or not. Oh, interesting. Yeah, from the healers and warriors section, divine magic, as the name suggests, is the power of the gods flowing from them into the world. Clerics are conduits for that power, manifesting it as miraculous effects. The gods don't grant this power to everyone who seeks it, but only to those chosen to fulfill a higher calling. Right, so not all clerics want the power. Well, so that little like bit will come in later, but here at least you see that like it's the gods choice, which I guess it's also the otherworldly entity's choice in the in the case of a warlock, but it very much to me implies that like gods are looking to like who who can I promote mm. basically. It's the other interesting thing about that passage though is that it suggests that clerics don't have a academic or theological understanding of their god they have a personal relationship like that god knows them specifically right which is where you get things like uh, commune and uh, divine intervention right exactly in the same section a cleric might learn formulaic prayers and ancient rites, but the ability to cast cleric spells relies on devotion and an intuitive sense of a deity's wishes. Interesting. That, again, to me, really underlines that, it, that the relationship between a cleric and a god is a personal one, and it is not one based on kind of rote memorization of texts or anything else, because it's an intuitive sense of the deity's wishes. So that means, like, this cleric can perform magic because they know kind of in a moment-to-moment sense what that god would want them to do or want them to accomplish. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. In that way, and not to keep comparing them to other classes, but in that way it's almost sorcerer-like where the magic is innate and is is flowing through them in that way, which is Right, yeah. I mean, you think of interesting. sorcerers intuitively manipulating the weave to produce spells and here you've got clerics intuitively sensing their deity's wishes and that combined with their devotion is enough to work magic the divine agent section says true clerics are rare in most hierarchies and goes on to describe how clerics are generally more proactive agents of their gods than administrators bureaucrats and preachers right so you have clerics going out and doing good under the name of that god rather than sitting in a monastery somewhere writing out illuminated texts yeah and this i originally actually was not even gonna have us read that quote or or look at that section but the more i thought about the more i thought it would actually be you know in in our world whether or not there are uh, supernatural or divine beings in any way influencing our world. Uh, who's to say? Who's to Who say? knows? Um, Aliens are real now. Right. The, regardless, those institutions kind of rely on faith, not proving the, like their, their kind of supernatural or divine powers constantly. But in D&D settings, you know who the gods like and who they don't because some of them are capable of magic. And so 
if there's this faction of people saying that we speak for this God or we are the true followers of this God, but none of them have any clerics, well, that is that would be you would probably be pretty unlikely to believe their claim. Whereas another religious faction does have some clerics, then you're like, oh, well, it, the God must like that interpretation of their holy text or whatever, because they're giving clerics to them. Oh, you, you like your God so much? We'll prove it. And then spiritual weapon. Okay. Okay. We get it. Jeez. The world looking different with magic practitioners who are guided by the gods like this. I mean, I almost don't know if there'd be like as many big churches. I, I feel like with this kind of action oriented, not so much proselytize, but do good unto the world. It would be a lot of clerics would be nomadic and trying to, be in touch with as many people as they possibly can. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that we think of uh, or relate to religion that probably would have less of a reason or no reason to exist in D&D. Like, if you've got people who can literally talk to God, you probably don't need people studying holy texts because you could just have that cleric explain to you. Yeah, you could just have that cleric explain to you or directly ask the God, like, what did you mean when you said that? Oh, okay, there we go. Um, I found out. Yeah. I had three questions. One of them was, what'd you mean? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it's a lot less um, building grand structures or or anything like that, uh, and a lot more going out and doing good. Like, you're not trying to impress people with your architecture or your artistry or anything like that. You're trying to impress people by going out there and being... I want to say I would say a positive force, but there are evil gods. So, being a force of change, being a force of change. If your god demands effigies and houses of worship and things, then that's what you're doing. You're going out and you're building those using all of your godly power to make a big, pretty building. So, yeah, that's true. And I mean, there probably are like gods of crafting and forging and hearths that would want uh, their adherents to, to do those sorts of things and probably... I'm sorry, what was that last one? Hearths? Surely you mean hearts. Hearths, I do mean hearths. I will let you take this as the one time you will ever correct me on anything. You're welcome. Fair. That's fair. This, um, this is divine saint- intervention. <laughs> yeah, that's very saintly of you. Thank you, mm-hmm. Benjamin. Yeah. From creating a cleric section... Once you've chosen a deity, consider your cleric. Surely you mean chosen. Just give give me that one. Just give me the one. Can I have the one, please? Yes, you can have the one. Sorry, just do it again. Do it again, and I won't interrupt you. Even if you say chosen. Oh, won't you? Did I say chosen? Yes, you said once you've chosen a deity. Oof, that's egg on my face. Once you've chosen a deity, consider your cleric's relationship to that god. Did you enter this service willingly, or did the god choose you, impelling you into service with no regard for your wishes? How do the temple priests of your faith regard you, as a champion or a troublemaker? This, there's so many interesting 
ways to answer these questions. And actually, even the even the, the two questions, did you enter service will enter the service willingly, or did the God choose you, impelling you into service with no regard for your wishes? Like those two we were you were kind of mentioning earlier and I wanted to put it off, but those two are where it's like apparently you don't even have to like want to be a cleric. Like the God can just be like, I like that guy and make you a cleric. I like the cut of that guy's jib. <laughs> right. I mean, and that's pretty interesting that the that the gods can just do that. They can just you don't like without maybe you're never even a priest, you're just living your life doing your thing, and all of a sudden the god says you work for me now. Talk to that dead corpse. Go ahead. Talk to that dead corpse. I want you to. And then you can talk to dead people. Wild. Uh, this kind of r- reminds me of uh, Jedi and Star Wars. You know, the some of them just don't even want to deal with the Force. And they can they can do it. And it's kind of a more of a burden than it is a, a privilege or, or whatnot. But, it, I mean, just like I said, it's, it's rife with roleplay opportunities. It's amazing. How it would change the world is maybe maybe more people trying to cut off their communication with the gods in some way. There'd be more like I wouldn't think if there's so. I enough think so pe- at all. Well, if you're burdened with something, if this feels like a burden to you, and this power is thrust upon you and you don't want it. I think there would be more methods in a world to cut yourself off from that because you don't want to deal with it. You don't want that responsibility. I don't know how you would go about trying to make yourself invisible to the gods. Well, that's what I'm saying is I, there might be, we talked about research before, but research into the soul research into the nature of that connection and how to sever it. It's not in the current D and D worlds, right? That's some home home. That's some homebrew stuff, but I feel like that's how the world might change is there would be a population of people touched by the gods who don't want to be touched by the gods. Consent's important. I just, I don't think enough people become clerics that that's like a realistic worry. Anyone would have like, Oh no, what if that God accidentally, or what if that God makes me magical and I didn't ask for it? Like that's probably not something most people would have to worry about. Honestly, it's mostly I just abdicate responsibility at every chance I get. I just don't want to be responsible for stuff. And if a god tells me that I've got to be responsible for the health and well-being of everyone around me, oh, boy. I I mean, I guess I can see wanting to shirk the responsibility, but I like that. I, like, I think it's more interesting for clerics to struggle with uh, their calling. I don't think... Uh, it's likely that there would be any organized effort to hide yourself from gods in case they decided they wanted you to be clerics. It seems like a, a rare enough problem that just, like, we don't make a huge effort to not get struck by lightning when there's not a lightning storm around, so. It's very true. Um, it's a good analogy. Yeah. It's, I'm saying it's a good analogy is kind and generous of you.
Do you feel the need to do good in the world, but feel like you're missing something in your life to get you there? Do you have high aspirations to help society, but feel powerless in the face of relentless tragedy? Have you ever wanted the near-limitless magics of a holy higher being or altruistic entity? Well, at St. Good and Great's Divine School for the Pure-Hearted and Morally Driven, we excel in training you to be the best potential cleric you can be. Every cleric needs a deity to imbue them with a divine radiance, and we can show you how to hopefully make that happen. We have classes in helping people, trusting your intuition, moral dilemmas, calligraphy, hymn singing, not asking for anything in return, walking the land, keeping your chin up, and doing what's right, amongst many others. St. Good and Great is a great place to meet like-minded individuals who just want to do good and great things, along with wield mighty and terrible magics. We also offer our extension program Paladin Track for those who wish to further their commitment and also do more physical harm. Enroll in St. Good and Great's Divine School for the pure-hearted and morally driven today and start your life down the right path. Attending SGDS PHMD does not guarantee placement in any Pantheon service. All students do so at their own risk. No refunds after the first two weeks of attendance. And if you're not completely satisfied with your clerichood, please ask about our Cleric Recovery Program. I do think that, that we, we haven't touched on the last question, but how do the temple priests of your faith regard you as a champion or a troublemaker? And that's pretty interesting because we talked earlier about maybe some factions don't have clerics and some do. You, it does make sense that the people of a religious community that maybe like spent their whole lives kind of working their way up whatever chain of command would feel pretty slighted by someone less involved in the church or, or, or lower ranking in the church becoming a cleric. And you could imagine there'd be some kind of political machinations about like trying to ostracize the cleric or reframe something they're doing as maybe a heretical interpretation of the God's wishes or, or dictates. And then, and then you got a, the martyr on your hands, the person suffering for the gods. That's heavy stuff. So moving along, a few other things that are implied or said here. One is that since there is a personal connection between the, the god and the cleric, it doesn't really specify how that plays out. If the god appears in visions, dreams, in the flesh to the cleric, can the cleric hear the god when the god wills it? Can the god hear the cleric under certain conditions? So we know that the god is like paying attention to and choosing the cleric based on what that god likes or wants. But we don't know if they're communicating or if the god's just kind of constantly watching. The gods generally in D&D don't act very omnipotent. So that's the, that is an interesting thing is that I, I don't know how to reconcile those two. It's almost like a the Greek pantheon model where they're kind of petty and I, I think into so their too, own yeah. thing. I think that is what it is. That they could be looking at and like doing stuff whenever, but they mostly are just like chilling out and paying attention to the stuff they want to pay attention to. 
Um, and then the last part, this isn't implied by anything in the in the text, but is implied just by the fact that there's no rules for it. There's no rules for clerics losing their cleric status. And, you know, I think the easiest interpretation of that is that just game design-wise, that would be kind of a mess if that could happen, and how would you resolve that situation? But I, I like to think about it as what, what does it imply about the metaphysics of D&D that you can't lose being a cleric once you're a cleric. And what I really like about that is that it's kind of like a no-take-back situation. Like, if the god picks you, they're stuck with you whether you do what they like or you don't do what they like. Like, they've just got to, they, they're rolling the dice every time they make somebody a cleric. And, I mean, that's kind of a catch-22, right? Because if they, if you are wielding a god's power because they chose you, you are doing it, whatever you do is its will, right? I think that's what we said earlier. So, if you're doing something that they don't like, I don't know how how can you do that if the things you do are its will. Right. Yeah, no. I mean because earlier it said you can cast magic by devotion and uh your intuitive understanding of the deity's wishes. So yeah, those two things are hard to figure out how they all fit together. Hard to reconcile, um, sure. But uh but the tension there is interesting and I think going in in either direction, whether you go in the direction that like whatever the cleric does is what the God wants, or if you go in the direction of once the God makes you a cleric, it, the God's hands are tied. Like you, you get to do what you do and they have to hope you follow what they want. Both of those, I think leave go like head off in really interesting, uh, metaphysic directions and also character directions. Yeah. Makes fun, fun storytelling. We've talked a lot so far just about the kind, of, just about the fiction that kind of precedes the class. If you're looking at the player's handbook, it would just be like those few paragraphs before you get into any game text. What I want to talk about now is the uh, spell list. Right. Well, while the gods explicitly choose their clerics, all clerics kind of share the same spell list of design magic, except for their divine domain spells. But we'll get into that later. A few highlights of the uh, cleric spell list are uh, gentle repose and all of the return to life spells. Um, those are th- that that kind of set of spells is very strongly associated with this class. And if you haven't listened to it yet, I do recommend that you go back and listen to our raised dead episode for some ideas about how those spells would impact your campaign. Uh, from the Raised Dead episode, we talk a lot about diamonds. Uh, Benjamin, what were what were some of your thoughts about diamonds specifically? Yeah, so so in the Raised Dead episode, one thing we hit on is that because all of those all of the return to life spells uh, require diamonds, that there's a lot of ways that could play out. Whether it's like one uh the theocracy kind of take wait is that what it is yeah the, there's one theocracy that kind of takes over all diamond mines and controls them so you, you could have a situation like that but i i think the other interesting idea here is if no religion gets a hold of diamond mines in particular then you've got an interesting idea where religions rely on whatever 
purely mercantile operation does own diamond mines to be able to cast some of their most powerful and iconic magic spells. And what's with these gods loving diamonds so much? Yeah, they what's gods do that? love diamonds. It is a bit strange. They love their diamonds. Yeah. It's almost like it's an easy resource to um, kind of bottleneck people into not spamming. Weird. A few of a few other spells uh, that we've talked about on this uh, podcast, and so you can go back and listen to the episodes on. They get mending, create or destroy water, detect evil and good, cure wounds, detect poison disease, and speak with dead. It, it's like we were leading the entire series up to this episode. Oh, and then what was the um, one we did recently? Hollow. Hollow. Yes. So, or hallow is how you. Hallow. Yes. As you really, really pronounce it, it's hallow. Yeah. So, so we, yeah, a lot of spells uh, on the cleric spell list that we've covered. Now, evil clerics will all have the same spells. They can cure wounds, they can cast sanctuary, and the other nice themed spells, while good clerics can in fact, inflict wounds and animate dead and other not so much nice things. So it's almost like your morality is just flavor. Yeah, it's a weird quirk of the fact that all clerics share that that same base set of spells. And that, I think, is also kind of an interesting thing. I think this maybe started to come up and detect evil and good when we did that episode. But it's really interesting to imagine why the gods give you access to those spells. and But then if you refine that thought a little bit further, it's it seems like the gods actually don't get to choose what spells they're giving you. Mm. They're like giving you access to divine magic, but they can't cut out. Because some of the gods, I'm sure like the god of life, probably, probably most gods of life really don't want you casting Animate Dead, but it's on the cleric spell list. So if that's what you want to do, you get to do it. Well, it, I feel like that kind of comes into the the uh, means justify the ends. The means justify the ends where the god of life is like, well, to complete my task, if you need to even break my own rules, at least I know you'll take care of these animated dead uh, because it is my edict. Maybe, yeah. I mean, I think it's... What I'm getting into is is more like the... Uh, metaphysical implication of the fact that the gods don't get to choose what spells you get. Um, there's a few reasons I can I can think of. Uh, one is that there's some greater power than the gods that fuels divine magic that they all have that they're all tapping into when they hand it to you. Uh, the other is that there's some common magical underpinning that ties all gods together, and so. Access to any god is access to every god. Ooh, that's wild. And both of those ideas would be... Uh, actually, a lot of this episode, we're talking about ideas that are less things that are imminently gameable, but do add a lot of color to your world if you've got answers to these kinds of questions. It's it's world building. That's what we're all about. Yeah. I, for one, am a really big fan of world building that like never comes into play. Like I will read books and books and books on 
stuff that will never come up in session, but like I, I just have memorized 300 pages of like how souls work in this game. That's wild. You, uh, I think it, it governs a certain flavor to the things that you do having all of those backs. It's like having a character whose backstory never comes up, but influences the action of that character. Right. Yeah, um, exactly. Exactly. And in in that moment when you do kind of reveal the answer to to something like this to your players, it regardless of whether or not it's true, it gives the impression that you've just got this super deep, rich world that where they could like go anywhere and there'd be all these fascinating details to explore, even if really you've just only done it in a few places. Another thing I we brought up earlier that I just want to briefly touch on. Uh, are divine domains. I, there's a ton of divine domains. I'm not. We're not going to today go through all of them, all of the all of their unique channel divinities, features, and and spell us. But I do want to say an interesting point about divine domains is that it's not just uh, a, you're not just like a god. There's not like a god of life, and that gives you the life domain. The gods normally have multiple divine domains, and so that is is an interesting element to think of when you think of why a god who's got different divine domains they can give, why they gave you the specific one they gave you. So there's, right, what is their purpose? It might also be, because it, it could be about, well, you, he's this person's a gifted healer or is very compassionate, so I gave them the life domain. Or it could be uh, the god knows there's a plague about to break out and so had just needs somebody to have the life domain to try to stem the tide of the plague and so just imbues a random person with this life domain cleric power. Or somebody already chose the rogue <laughs> class and so they want to play the trickster domain, uh, which is kind of close. It's close enough. And uh, the god wants the, another trickster in the party. Right. There's good reasons uh, both at the table and behind the screen. Behind the screen with the Dispel Magic Boys. Dane, so far we haven't really dug... We talked a little bit about the spells, but we haven't dug into any of the class features. That's mostly because there's not a lot of class features here that are super interesting or, or world-changing world to, to exist. Yeah. But the, there's a 10th level uh, feature called Divine Intervention, and I would love you to run that down for us. I would love to do so. Divine Intervention... Beginning at 10th level, you can call on your deity to intervene on your behalf when you when your need is great. Imploring your deity's aid requires you to use your action. Describe the assistance you seek and roll percentile dice. If you roll a number equal to or lower than your cleric level, your deity intervenes. The DM chooses the nature of the intervention, the effect of of any cleric spell or cleric domain spell would be appropriate. If your deity intervenes, you can't use this feature again for seven days. Otherwise, you can use it again after you finish a long rest. At 20th level, your call for intervention succeeds automatically. And no roll required. That'd be pretty weird to go from 19th level where like there's a 19% chance anytime you do that that it's going to work to 20th level where it's like a hundred percent chance God answers when you call. And <laughs> using an experience based system, you're just stabbing kobolds until you can do it. You're just that ah, now 
Nope. Stab. How about now? You gonna do it now? No. Okay. Stab. So depending on how the DM interprets this feature, it's either a like highly conditional wish spell, highly conditional in that you have to succeed on this roll, or it's pretty awful if it literally only replicates cleric spells. Regardless of interpretation, this does mean that by 10th level, anyone the cleric cares about is functionally immortal since they can just ask their god every day to true resurrect their friends and, you know, just keep doing that every day until it finally works. I mean, the effect on that has on the world is pretty monumental. I mean, you're going to, any kingdom large enough will have a 20th level cleric in their, in their midst, right? Like, we're not even 20th level, 10th level. You only need to be 10th level. So like, as long as there's a 10th level. No, but to guarantee it. I know, but it it, it does guarantee, I mean, with true resurrection is like, Anyone who's been dead for less than like a hundred or maybe a thousand years, you can bring back whether you've got their body or not. So you're just casting it every day. You're just casting it every day until there's a one in 10 chance on any given day that a 10th level cleric is going to get it to work. So just, you know, two weeks tops, anybody that dies is coming back if you've got a 10th level cleric around. That makes sense. Does that tank the diamond industry then? Not not exactly, because there's going to be a lot of lower level... People are, um, or just like, it, there's more opportunities to raise dead if you can also be casting spells. Because once you do finally get true resurrection, once you finally do get divine intervention to work, you can't get it again for seven days. So it is pretty slow moving. Like there's probably like a log of people, like, like important people that maybe could be brought back or it would be helpful to the world if you brought back. And so every day the 10th level clerics like looking at their list of people they could bring back and trying to figure out like triaging essentially, which one's the most important one to bring back. Real desk jockey job. You just come in with your list and you just start going down the list. I guess you can only do it once a day, huh? Well, not just once a day, once a week, once it works, you can try once a day, but once it works, you can't use it for seven days. Well, once it works, you can go on vacation for a week. That's yes, your that's, that's your reward. Yeah. Is you don't have to go back to your desk, but then then you're there every the day. The list is just going to be list is just going to get longer during that seven days, though. You're just, you're on the beaches. You're just thinking about that damn list instead of really really kicking back. Life of a cleric's hard. Yeah. So, like I said, I think this this certainly means that an adventuring cleric is probably going to be using this to make sure their friends never actually die their adventuring party um but i do imagine that there's like once once people in general know that you have this ability they're going to be coming from around the world to beg you to bring back you know whoever it is i specifically i think a lot in a lot of cases that would be like heads of state Last thing I want to say about divine intervention is a weird kind of combination of things where, so the feature says an appropriate response to to your cleric using divine intervention would be one of their cleric spells or cleric domain spells. There is uh, an arcana domain cleric where it's, it's capstone feature is that you get to pick a sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth level wizard spell 
to add to the, the cleric spell list for you, or they count as your domain spells for you. And since Divine Intervention cares about what's on your domain spell list, you can just grab Wish uh, as your ninth level wizard spell list. And now, it's, it, once you're 20th level, you've got a free extra Wish every single day. When you're less than 20th level, you've got a free Wish, you know, whenever you happen to roll well on a day. But the really, really incredible thing about that is not just that you can start casting Wish as soon as you get that feature. It's also that unlike when a wizard casts Wish, there's a percentage chance that the wizard is going to lose that spell forever if they use it in certain ways. I, I assume that the gods cannot lose the power to cast their spells. So there's no, con- it's like a better, it's like a better version of the wish that the wizard gets because you'll never lose it. You can't lose it. What if somebody wishes it away? That the gods can't do that. They wish the gods away. Then the multiverse splits into two and there's one universe where it happened and one universe where it didn't. Oh, okay. Or multiverse. I feel like the Wishinati would have a vested interest in severing people's ties with their deities, if this was true. At least Arcana Domain clerics, yeah. So it's funny how many other episodes were referencing this, but Wish was an episode from a while back that you can also listen to if you want to get some ideas about how Wish would impact your world. It was it was Providence. We were made to come to this episode. We talked about every single other episode except for, you know, the mushroom people. And the ones, that, yeah, the ones that no, nobody, nobody cares about. Everyone cares about mushroom people. Well, yes, I, I care a lot about uh, my, my comments, for actually. Not for life. I do take that back. Yeah. Come on. Well, if you have any further thoughts about clerics and how their divine magics would shape the world, please let us know at dispelmagicpodcast at gmail.com. Email us. Send us a, a message, a divine message. You can also look for us on social media. We're generally Dispel Magic or Dispel Magic Pod. Good luck. Blue sky, baby. Hey, Benjamin. <laughs> Did you know that we have a Patreon? How am I just now finding out about this? This sounds incredible. Where can I go to sign up for the Dispel Magic Patreon? Uh, You could go to Dispel Magic Pod, the website that we have with Podbean. Or you can find us on Patreon. So patreon.com slash Dispel Magic? Precisely. You're saying right now I can go online and go to patreon.com slash Dispel Magic and support this podcast this very and also podcast. get monthly rewards and who knows in the future you may even get chibi stickers of yours and mine's little happy faces that sounds almost too good to be true but i know that it is because i'm on there making my pledge right now benjamin can i talk to you over here for a second you you don't you don't have to subscribe to our own patreon that's not that's not how that works Well, I just did it at the highest tier, so. Well, everybody, thanks for listening to this round of Dispel Magic. Should we talk about going on a break? Yeah, we're going to take a short hiatus, probably two, three months maybe, and then we'll be back. Diving into even more spells and how they change your world. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you again after your next long rest. 
We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Dispel Magic. If this has inspired any ideas for your game, or you have another take on today's topic, please let us know on Twitter, at DispelMagicPod. You can find Benjamin at Sterling Vermin and Dane at Dane in Danger. Thank you to Slim Mittens for our cover art, produced by Benjamin Huffman, produced and edited by Dane Fox McGraw. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you again after your next long... So long. Long, long, long. Rest. I'm going to do it a different way. I'm going to do it a different way too so that if that's like really awful sounding. <laughs> no, double it. I'll make it twice as long. Long. Rest, 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 rest,